I was thinking this week, let me just share a couple of th thoughts with you. Because I believe that there's a, there's a sound, there's a fragrance of revival in the air. It's like the awakening that's getting ready to birth the awakening. There's a great awakening. We're not looking for just a single church happy meeting. We're looking for a full-blown, great spiritual awakening. But I found out this week... Revival is a lot more than what we've been taught. There's two sides of it. Did you know the day of the Lord? I've got to look this up more. and I'm going to follow up in the weeks to come. The day of the Lord. We know there will eventually be a day, a great day of the Lord. But also in the scripture, the day of the Lord was any time God would come in judgment. Or salvation of the remnant. And so it was both things that would happen. And uh, we need to, you know that scripture that says, do not forsake yourselves, you know, together, the assembling together, which is the manner of some. When I read that, I say, God, that's wrong. It's the manner of, the manner of many. 
that forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But it says, don't forsake it, especially as you see the day coming, the day approaching. And it's the day of the Lord. Can I tell you, America is going to encounter a day of the Lord. And I'm starting to see a new side of revival I never heard of. And um, I'm glad that I get to see a few things. But let me read this. I, I was thinking this week about this lady that wrote the song, The Battle Hymn of the Republic. It was during the Civil War. And both sides sung this song. But it, it really revealed God in a way that much of the church today doesn't know Him this way. They think God is like a Santa Claus. Just come and give me. Give me what I want. And I may give you what you want. If you'll give me what I want first. But that's not the way it works. I mean, if you know that. And God is a lot more serious than we give Him credit for. We cannot blame the devil for what's about to come on the land. We've got to know the truth. You've got to be rooted in the truth in God's Word. And to at least this subject, there's been a great famine of the Word of the Lord. Because the church in America doesn't want to hear about the judgments. You know, just teach me about the blessings. You know, does this make sense? Bless me, God. Bless me. Well, He will bless you. But there's also a day of reckoning coming. A day of rebuke. What's that scripture I read? I'm just going off the cuff. Not really. It's what God's put in my heart this week. But there's a scripture over in Proverbs. That he that blesses the wicked, they will be cursed. But he that rebukes the wicked will have great delight. And I thought, God, we got folks in our nation, a few of them that are beginning to stand up and rebuke the wicked. But God may think that's a pretty good idea. But let me just read these words. Because we've forgotten that. We've got to go back to this. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. How is He coming? I'm going to show you in the Scripture. Then I'm going to save plenty of time for you, John, okay? And then we're going to baptize. Because we already got one already. How is He coming? He's trampling. God trampling? He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of His terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. We don't sing that anymore because we don't believe that anymore. You know, His sword is swift. His word, I'll show you. Anyway, I have, I have seen Him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. This is one of the camps. We're in one of the camps. They have builded him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. No wonder we don't sing this anymore. He has sounded forth the trumpet. I can tell you, I'm not going to go into detail, but there's a trumpet being sounded today. That shall never call retreat. You know, God's not going to back up in this hour. He's not going to retreat. And the church must not retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before His judgment seat. The plumb line. That's what God's doing. That's a serious thing. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer Him. Be jubilant, my feet, 
Our God is marching on. And then the last verse is not so hard. It says, in the beauty of the lilies. I don't even think this is the last verse. There are many verses. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy. Let us die to make men free while God is marching on. You know, we need to sing that song again. Now go with me to Habakkuk. I've got to share this. I want to release this word. Because I believe revival has begun in the land. I know that what's happened in Dawsonville, Georgia, is spilling out in many places. Now this Friday, we didn't have as many people here as we had in other Fridays. And I don't know, but I know it's not the numbers of people, it's the hunger. It's the hunger. We don't really want the compromisers. We don't really want the lukewarm. If, if the lukewarm come in and they're spewed out of the mouth of God and we're around, we could get in the mess too. That's right. That's right. So it might be better. Let God just start doing what He said in that song. Anyway, look at this. You guys with me? A prayer of Habakkuk, chapter 3. How many of you have read the book of Habakkuk? Good, you might want to read it again. And I've shared before, because you're going to meet Habakkuk one day. And he may walk up to you and say, John, did you read my book? I didn't even know you had a book. It's in a best-selling book. It's in the Bible. It's pretty good. Now look at this. It's just a few scriptures, and then I'm going to sit down so... Uh, John from Hong Kong, no, South Africa. Speak the word of the Lord. Hey, listen, you're loosed today, okay? We don't really want a pansy, you know, make us feel good. Good. We don't want that. Not here. We can take it. Because we want, anyway, oh Lord, verse 2, I've heard your speech and was afraid. I wonder if how true is that today? Churches all across America, they'll go in and they'll go out and they never were really confronted with the fear of God. This says, I've heard what you had to say, God, and I was afraid. That's a different day, isn't it? Oh God, oh Lord, revive your work. Revive your work. What kind of work is he talking about? You're going to be shocked. I've got to show you this. Revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. And then he has a plea. It's almost like, but. But God, in wrath, remember mercy. Do you see that? I heard what you had to say and I was afraid. Oh God, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. But oh God, in wrath, remember mercy. And so what happened? How did God respond? Verse 3, God came. That's what that song talks about. He came. And then as He came, His glory covered the heavens and the earth. And we're going to see His glory, but His glory is not going to necessarily make us jubilant. It'll make us hit the deck. The church in America needs to hit the deck. There must be repentance. Remember, it's not the heathen that's going to turn the nation around. If my people who are called by my name 
shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So he came and then in verse 6 he stood and he measured the earth. The plumb line is about, in fact, I think there was a, uh, there is, there's a measuring tape. God is measuring our heart. Oh, that reminds me of that vic. I had a dream many years ago where I was in the barber shop, remember, of getting my hair cut. Yes, just minding my business, getting my hair cut. Now, if you're in a dream getting a haircut, you got to think, now, God, what does this mean? I felt like God was saying you're being groomed for the time. That the whole body of Christ is being groomed for the hour. And the barber did something really strange. He took out a measuring tape like that and he put it up against my heart. In the dream. And I believe God is doing that right now over the church. He's measuring our heart. To see if He alone is God. Or we have other gods. There's a mixture. And then so he stood, and then in verse 6, he looked. And when he looked, look what happened to the nations. What does it say? He startled the nations. God's going to look again at the Church of America. And there's going to be a great startling. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. How can you scatter everlasting mountains? Because they are not really everlasting. They may look everlasting. There are things in our life that we think are eternal. They're only temporary. And then there's one more thing. Verse 12. You marched through the land in indignation. Verse 12. And there's that word. You trampled the nations in anger. That's why they used to do that song, the battle hymn, The Republic. But today we've tossed that song out. We don't even know what it means. But then, not only did he do that, here's the day of the Lord. Look in verse 13. The other half is, you went also forth for the salvation of your people, for salvation with your anointed. Now you've got to see one more thing, then I'm going to really close. Verse 16. I wonder how Zach Habakkuk took this. How do you think? How do you think he responded? You think he jumped up and shouted hallelujah? Now look in verse 16. When I heard, my body trembled. And my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones. And I trembled in myself that I might, have, that I might rest in the day of trouble. Well, I could say a whole lot more, but what I'm saying is this, that God's about to stand up across this nation. He's coming. And He's going to revive His work. Revival is all that we see in the Scripture, the new beginning of obedience to God, you know, yieldedness, absolute surrender, repentance. It is joy. You know, this speaks about joy. You have, you got to have joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. You won't make it without joy. But it's not the joy of man. You know, we're not going to, it's not about somebody coming and tickling us. It's about the joy of the Lord, you know, that just breaks out in the midst of trouble. You'll know if you have joy when troubles come along. 
Does that make sense? So anyway, we got to do the offering. We're going to lead us in a song, and then I'm going to turn my friend loose. Is this okay? To, is this a good beginning for you? And then after you finish, around noon or so, we're going to baptize if anybody wants to be baptized. Maybe somebody wants to be baptized for the first time. That's what we're really looking for, is for souls to be saved. You know, we want the lines out the door, the people that have come to Jesus and they're waiting. And, uh, but also, there's something happens. God is meeting people in those waters. There's some astounding things that happen. The first lady that walked in the water set the tone for the whole time. The Lord came, which helps. Because then you think, well, God, this is up to you. It ain't not about me. If you're doing this to people, I just want to get in on it. So I want to pray, Lord, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for everything, every song that's been sung, the prophetic declarations, that uh, picture, the plumb line. Lord, here we are. All of us know there are great challenges coming to the nation. And we thank you, God, that you're raising up a people that will have an understanding of the times. They will not fear the times, but they will be ready for the times. And they will walk with you in the land and do the will of the Father. Lord, we thank you for the coming harvest. We thank you with all of our heart that you so loved the world that you gave your only Son. And so we just thank you for the conviction and we thank you for the goodness of our God and we bless your holy name. Lord, touch people this morning. Set them on fire. Set people on fire in this place. We right now, we pray all lukewarmness would be burned out, driven out, and that we would be passionate, contagious, and out of our minds. For Jesus. Because our nation's not going to be turned around with a bunch of religious folks. It's going to be turned around by disciples that are running after God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. It is time to stop having a pseudo Jesus and have the real Jesus. American church is stuck in itself and it needs to get the hell out of itself so heaven can come. Now if you're offended by me using hell, so what? Stay here, you're going to get more offended. See, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be the extension of my father. This entitlement that you feel is called spiritual pride. And you need to get rid of it. My brother, no man or woman will come and stand on this stage again that will come with a watered down thing taking from you that will come from this day forth to deposit in you. You see, you see this cup? Your heart is like this cup. What it's full of when you get bumped, it's going to come out.
Did you come to see what's going on here today or did you come to give? Too many of you are coming here and you come and you receive and you receive and you receive and you become a bunch of spiritual fat cats. They can come to you afterwards for counseling, right there? This morning, I saw a picture of a woman. And please, ladies, this is not against women. I saw a picture of a woman having a flesh-eating disease and eating away until the bone. And then I saw a covering over this woman, an oily covering that seems like there's nothing wrong. You see, we've anointed people with oil and made them so full of oil, but they're dead inside with nothing in it. You're going to stand on one side of the judgment of God or on the other side of God. You're going to hear either the worst, most terrible words in your life, get away, I don't know you, or you will hear the words of eternal life, well done, my faithful and trusted servant, enter into your rest. You are not called to be anybody but you. You're not called to be Elijah, Moses, Bob Jones, or whoever. And we've got too many people in America running to different places to try and get the mantles of people. That is the biggest load of junk under the sun. We've taken scripture, we've twisted it, turned it for our own value. So that we can take it in little bite sizes. That makes it palatable to us. God's word is not up for profit or prostitution. And I'm sick and tired of the people. The pupils of God, the holy places of my father, been turned into whoremongering places of prostitution. Where the people are dying and somebody's coming up here for profit. I'm not here on my own volition. I'm here because my father sent me. And I thank you for your obedience, my brother. For allowing the spirit of God to speak to you. To allow me the honor and the privilege of using this time to honor him. What does the Bible say about consecration? See, in this year, in this time, there's no more time for you to consecrate yourself in the measure that you want. It's either all and full consecration or it's no consecration. Oh, I speak in tongues. So what? So does the devil. Are you able to discern whether it's the voice of God or it's the voice of the devil? Oh, I come to prayer meeting every week. So what? So does the devil. How can that be? I'll tell you why. Because the places are not spirit-filled. They're not spirit-led. They don't follow after the spirit of the living God. They don't allow the unction of the spirit of the living God to unction them to freedom and truth through the spirit of truth who leads them into all truth. Oh, but you don't understand my situation. So what? I'm not supposed to. But you don't understand what I've been through. So what? What did Jesus go through? It says that it bruised him. 
The Father bruised him and crushed him for your and my transgression. And then we want to come with a slippy, cheesy, easy peasy grace. I don't want it. I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. You are then as stupid as they come. Do you not understand the very foundation of that grace was the Old Testament? You cannot take away the Old Testament and only want to portray the New. It is the Old Testament enveloped in the covering of the New that brings forth everything that the Father has. You cannot do anything else. You ask for His glory? I would be mindful if I was you. Because if His glory came, you'd die. How the heck are we asking God for His glory? Oh, the glory came in. We were in the glory cloud. I said, yeah, why are you still alive? Because in this sinful body, in this sinful covering, we cannot contain it. We talk about revival. Ezra 9.8 says this, that He may revive us out of our bondage. Revival comes forth from something that is dead. Have you died to yourself? Have you? Oh, I've been to, oh, you know, I've been to Bethel. And I've been sitting over here, and I've got this, and I've got that, and I'm a, I've gone to seminary school. So what? I'm tired of, of listening to the way people say things and the isms that they come out with. And yet I don't know anything of the truth of the word that comes forth. How is that possible? How is that possible? Are you God's people today? Don't answer me. Are you God's people? If you are God's people, you will act like God. You will talk like God. You will walk like God. You will be like God. Because you've, he's a, you've allowed him. Like a silversmith. Takes a piece of silver and sticks it into a fire. The, when he knows that it's right to pull it out. Is when he can see his reflection in it. Is God's reflection been coming forth from your life? Or is it your reflection? You'll know if you're from God then. Are you allowing God to hold you in his fire for as long as possible? Until your, his reflection is seen in you. This morning God told me as I was standing in the shower, I finished off, he said, no, no, you're not finished yet. Turn on the cold water only. And I stood in that cold water and he said, times are of, of refreshing on hand. However, you first got to go through the fire. God wants you to get out of your comfort zone into His comfort zone, which is your discomfort. What a place to be. The other thing that God has to restore, my brother, is the fear of the Lord. It is sincerely lacking in the body of Christ, especially in the American church. I know what I'm saying because I stand here in His fear. That every, mouth, every word that it proceeds from my mouth, if it's not of him, he could kill me. So I'm not here to play this game. What does the Bible say about consecration? The separation of oneself from the things that are unclean 
Oh my goodness. How debaucherous and how sexually immoral is the church today? Especially the leaders. And they are the reason why the debauchery takes place in the church. Because they've released it from the pulpits. How can I speak words of life when I live words of death? We don't want to do that. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to do those things because, you know, I, I, I'm with Jesus. No, you're not. No, you're not. Many, many are going to come and are going to think that they are with Him. And on that day, they're going to be, they're going to be seriously, seriously affected. If you are not prepared to get rid of your junk in your trunk, because he's not coming to take it away. You've got to give it up. Same as this thing that we say, Oh Lord Jesus, uh, I pray this prayer and you come living my heart. No. When you surrender your heart to him. Ah, now we start talking. Too many people come because they're in some other mess that they want him to get them out of. Too many people come because they want something, because they want to get out of free jail, uh, get a free hell card. But they don't want to come for him. Just him. Just him. You see, how many of you, have, how many of you are asking God for something? And don't put your hands up. Just listen. How many of you are asking God for something, that you need God to sort something out? Okay. Don't you realize that he's the God who birthed a nation in a day? He's the God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead. He's that same God. He's that same God who willed the world into existence. And it came to pass. He breathed and it came to pass. He spoke and there was light. That same God is the God that if you would just come simply to him, not expect him just to come for that moment. But if you would simply just come to him, then he can manifest the fullness of who he is in any and every situation that you or I could ever face. And then victory is assured. Let's talk about this, the, the story of David. We've got this wrong concept. Firstly, David was about eight years old when he slept out in the fields with his father's flock. Because in those days, from about eight years old, they were released to go sleep with the flock so this flock could get ready and, and to, for their smell, could hear them constantly so they would be attentive to the voice of the shepherd. And when he was about 12, his mom and them sent him to the front line to give his brother and them bread. David didn't know the assignment that God had sent him on. Too many of us want to come, Lord, you're sending me, you're sending me, but tell me where. Your assignment might just be next door. Your assignment might just be to your wife or to your husband or to your kids. But we want to go to the nations of the world, but we've got our, our home is in the mess. Too many people are wanting to minister to God's family when their family is in the mess. You cannot do it. And God will hold you accountable. I'm grateful that my wife and my kids have released me to come and do this. If they didn't, I wouldn't be here. Oh no, but you don't understand. My wife. Now, ladies, I'll get to the husbands now. 
God has called me as a man of God. I've got to go. No matter what my wife says. Mm, wait until God smacks you off your horse. Wives, if you're holding your husband's back because you're not ready. Oops. You're going to be held accountable to him. David goes to the front line. What is the first thing David hears? That filthy Philistine. Accusing the armies, the mighty armies of Israel. And the mighty warriors of Israel are quaking in their shoes. How many of you have been so fearful about the enemy in opposed to seeking the command of hosts? who will show that demon up to be a Mickey Mouse demon with a megaphone, who's more frightened of his boss, Satan, because he knows what's waiting if he doesn't fulfill his task. And David goes in there, and now, this shows you how man works. Saul and they want to give him his armor. <laughs> I mean, that's dumb. How many times do we want to take somebody else's armor? Because we see anointing on somebody's life and we want to take their stuff. Instead of we forget that God has already anointed you and me for that task at hand. Because our focus is on our circumstances and our situations. Or on the things of the enemy and not on him and him alone. When I was in the army, we were taught to look through a bush, not at a bush. Because when you look through a bush, you saw the smallest of detail that was out of character. And you knew somebody was there or had been there. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, I saw you sitting under that tree before he physically saw him. And God says to you today, I see you. Oh, but Lord, I, they won't allow me to do this. Oh, Lord, they won't release me. God says, I see you. It's not about man coming and laying hands on you and releasing you. How many times have people come and they want some man or some woman to come and ha have a prophetic word over their life? When you forget, the author of the prophetic is speaking over your life. And his name is Jesus. America is so caught up in some other person coming with some other prophetic thing, with some other apostolic mantle, with some other this, with some other that. I'm just, a prof I'm just an unprofitable servant doing my father's will. Irrespective of what he wants to unction me to do and how he wants to use me to do it. What stops you from being used right now by God? One thing, you. Not anybody else. Maybe you need to check your heart. Maybe you need to check your heart. Because it's the heart that's the issue. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Satan can do nothing to me. Nothing. Because he only does it in two ways. One, like the father allowed him to attack Job. And the two, if I give him the ammunition to do it. Oops. But you don't understand. This woman, she just always, she's always talking about me. So what? Has she got anything good to talk to you, uh, talk about you? 
Or have you given them the ammunition to talk bad about you? Oh, but you, 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 you're misconstruing that. No, I'm not. Please listen to what I'm saying. You have the voice of the accuser 24-7. But you have the almighty God's voice 24-7 above it. Which one are you listening to? If you get offended, it's because there's a residency of offense in your life. And the offense that comes is to hook it out. The Holy Spirit intentionally offends us to bring out the truth. For He is the Spirit of all truth who leads us into all truth. Are you separated from the unclean? Are you? Have you separated you from the unclean? Oh, David, Pastor David, please, can you pray for me? Oh, Shirley, can you please pray for me? My question to you is then, if you come to me like that, I'm going to ask you one thing. Have you prayed for you? Don't, don't give your responsibility to me. Don't hand back your responsibility to me. Why do, you, why do you think a lot of men of God and women of God get burnt out? Because they don't know how to say no. I will not take your junk and your responsibility. I will pass it back to you. Now you don't have to like me. You have to love me, according to the word. You don't have to like me. You don't have to like anything I've got to say. But I will ask you today, whatever I say, take it to the Father in prayer. And let him speak to you. See, when I'm ministering, I'm not ministering to you guys. I'm ministering back to my father. I'm not yet to minister to you. He's the one that can minister to you. I need to minister back to him what he gives me. The Chinese underground church is an unstoppable force. The American church is weak-willed, Coward and of no value. And it's not just the American church. It's basically the westernized church. I'll tell you why they're unstoppable force. An underground pastor of the Chinese church said this. We are so glad that we were forced underground because we rediscovered our DNA. You know what the underground Chinese church is praying for? You. They're praying for America. They're not praying for themselves. If you're a believer, just a normal believer in Christ, you get caught at a prayer meeting, you go to jail for three years. Where you'll be raped, abused, hung up by your two fingers, and all the thing they want you to do is deny Jesus. Hmm. Some of them travel 13 hours just to come to a prayer meeting for two hours. Some of you can't even come here because it's raining. Come on. Let's be real. Unless I own my junk, I'm never going to give it up. I'm always going to point away to somebody else. I'm not coming here to be eloquent in my speech. I'm coming here to be real and true. So you can understand that he who raised Jesus from the dead wants to set you free 
to be his hands, his feet, his eyes, his ears. But the problem is everybody wants to be the head honcho. I must be the chief. I must decide. No, you mustn't. No, you mustn't. <laughs> there was so much more. And God's just taking us in a different direction. The separation of oneself from things that are unclean, especially anything that would contaminate one's relationship with a perfect God. I will offend every single person on this planet before I think to scratch an offense to my Father in heaven, which will stop me having a relationship with a perfect God. Wow. How wrong we've been for so long. We want all the benefits from God, but we don't want Him. How many times have I seen women have come to me and said to me, John, please pray that my husband will come to Christ. And when he does, you never see them again. How many times have I prayed for women who, and, and men to, uh, so that they as a family could have a baby? Oh, we trust in God for a child. As soon as they got a child, that child is the excuse why they don't come. How many times have I prayed for people who wanted a change in their jobs? And God brought it. You don't see them. They use their job as an excuse not to come. I've seen people come out of abject poverty. Oh Lord, we trust in you. And they come out. Then they're too rich to come to God anymore. How about you? It's easy to say amen and, and what. How about you? Where are you sitting? What part of this is touching you? What part of this is grabbing you a bit? You want to be free? Then you get rid of your junk. You get rid of it. God is busy breaking open the mountains here in the Moravian Falls. He's, he told me on the mountaintop yesterday that it's time to break the demonic stronghold of mainly two things. One, the Masonic influence. And two, the Jezebel spirit that hangs over this valley. But you want to break the Jezebel spirit. Are you prepared to be raised up by him as Jehu? Because only Jehu could break the spirit of Jezebel. And he caused Queen Jezebel to die. No one else could. Are you praying that God would use you? Or are you praying that God would use David? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Send David, Lord. Lord, I will pray for him from behind. But Lord, let David not falter. I might be next. <laughs> we... <laughs> We pray these kind of nutty prayers. Oh Lord Jesus, come down. Fool, he's not. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. It's not his time. So why are you praying that stupid prayer? Amen. Come on, let's be real. Come to God with some fancy, crazy stuff. And then we can't understand why God doesn't even understand it. I want <laughs> Oh Lord. 
You want to go dance away the night in a disco. You want to go to a bar and drink yourself to a stupor. And you want to come and raise your hands on a Sunday and sing hallelujah. What part of that picture is off? God had told me on that mountain yesterday and the, day, and the other day when we were there that he has separated the goat and the sheep. He's not going to. He has already done this. In Revelations it says this. Those who are doing evil will continue doing evil. Those who are dirty will continue being dirty. Those who are righteous will continue being righteous. And those who are holy will continue being holy. Nowhere does it say age, gender. But let me just say that about gender. There are only two genders, male and female. There isn't a whole host of them. You have been created by God with His DNA. You're either male or female. Your DNA does not change, even if you have surgery to change the outward appearance. I believe, and when I see the debauchery taking place in modern day society, it's a very bad accusation against the very heart of the church. Any moral degradation in a society is because that moral degradation started in the church and was released in them. We can have faith to move mountains, but if we don't have faith in Him, that mountain will remain. So let me ask you, what Goliath is in your life today? Let me get back to the story of David quickly before we, before we, we, we get into baptism. So David goes and they want to put on his armor, on Saul's armor. Can't wear it. They want to give him his sword. He can't lift Saul's sword. But in any case, he goes with a sling and a staff. You see, that staff represented the royal scepter of the king. Jesus is that royal scepter. We can read about it in Revelations. He goes, because you see, when David looked upon that, Philistine, he saw the, ma the magnificence of his God behind him. And he paled from there to there. He slays him, puts him down on the ground. Now listen to this. He goes and picks up Goliath's sword and cuts off his head. He couldn't pick up Saul's sword. How many of you are fighting a battle because you're trying to use somebody else's sword? Here's your sword. Here it is. It's not David's anointing. It's not mine or yours or anybody else's. It's his anointing. I don't have an anointing. It's his anointing working through me. Oh, this is anointed man of God. No, he's not. He's just a fallible man doing the work of his heavenly father. Oh, come, you must come and get some. No, you mustn't. You can get some in your bedroom, on your knees, before the king of all kings. Oh, we're going to come, we're going to have a healing service, a revival service. Really? So why aren't we going preaching in the hospital, hospitals? Why is the same healing not taking place in the hospitals? You know why? Because hmm. this is why. Because you and I don't... Stand on his word. 
as our firm foundation. Our sure, firm foundation. And when I walk, I walk with the feet of this word. I go with the feet of this word. I don't go on my own steam. And some of you might go, ah, blaspheme, he's standing there, he's on You know what blaspheme is? When you take your word and you stick it on the shelf. In today, in America, less than 50% of pastors and leaders are actually using the word every single day. They use it mostly only when they have to present a word. This is my life. This is it. Is this your life? And I'm talking from the youth to the old people. Look, if you want to say you're old. Okay, let me change it for David because he's feeling offended. To the more mature. God is not a respecter of of person or age. He's a respecter of faith and faith alone. What junk are you in today that you need to get out? How many of you have got a lying, gossiping, slandering tongue that you need him to break? Do you know one of the worst things that I've seen is people come into a place and they serve, and, they, and the Spirit of God is so heavy and they walk outside and the first thing they do is gossip and slander about the person sitting next to them. Oh, you know, Sally, she can't wear that dress. She's too fat. Mm. Gossip and slanderers, just as the sexually immoral, just as drunkards, will not enter the, king of, uh, the, the kingdom of God. It will not. Let me just pray this scripture over you. 2 Corinthians 2. And we were talking about the fragrance. I want to, I want to speak this prophetic word over this house. Father, from this day forth, this house will be a house of fragrance. It will be your fragrant sanctuary. And when people come in, you will change the stench of death to the fragrance of life. Not because of we are worthy of it, but because you alone are worthy. Father, I come to you again today and I say this to you. I serve you not for the purpose of whether I end up in heaven or in hell. I serve you for the purpose because you alone are worthy. And Father, I would rather, I would rather you kill me if I ever bring your word into disrepute. And I hope my brothers who are listening today, and when I say brothers, I'm not talking about just men. I'm talking about my family. My family who are here and my family in the nations, whoever hearing, may they make him and him alone their priority. It's time that he alone is whom they seek. So Father, as we take this word of yours, your word of life and death, we speak this word over these people when it says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph as trophies of Christ's victory and through us spreads and makes evident the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere. For we are the seek and sweet fragrance of Christ which exhales unto God first 
discernible, discernibly alike among those who are perishing and those who are living. To the latter, it is the aroma, the wafted death from death, a fatal odor, a small, a smell of doom. To the former, it is the aroma from life to life. For it is a vital fragrance, living and fresh. And who is qualified to fit and sufficient for this? Are we? For we are not like those and many who are like hucksters, making a trade-off, peddling God's word for profit. But we are the men of sincerity and the purest of motive. As commissioned and sent by God, we speak His message in Christ the Messiah in the very sight and the presence of God. Father, may we be your presence of your fragrance everywhere we go, in our homes, in our workplaces, out at the supermarket, in our schools, in, our, in the church. And may we be the fragrance of life that can lead people to life. And that when we come up to people who have the fragrance of death or the stench of death upon them, that we may change it as we are atmosphere changes because the spirit of change is resident in us. So Father, have your way in us. Start with me first. Start with me first. So that I may be your image bearer. And there may be nothing of self anymore. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Change me. Send me. In Jesus' mighty, awesome, wonderful, most powerful name. The name of Jesus Christ. And his people said, Amen. Amen.